0: there and welcome to the birth story therapist podcast, a safe space for mamas and parents to share their birth stories, discuss common issues experienced with parenting, feel heard and validated, engage in discussion about the complexity of their motherhood journeys and how they manage their mental health along the way. Come here every week to hear from mamas who are just like you, figuring it out one day at a time. Here from myself, Crystal, licensed therapist, host of this podcast, and private practice owner of Southeast Perinatal Counseling. I specialize in maternal mental health, if you haven't guessed already. I'll share helpful tips and techniques to manage your mental health as you navigate motherhood, both in the perinatal and postpartum period, as well as bring on other mamas so you can gain from their history, their stories, maybe some gems that you can apply to your motherhood journey. And of course, I also have on professionals within the maternal mental health space that might be able to offer additional techniques and resources to help you along the way. So I am coming back today to build a little bit more on our previous talk about self-care. I know firsthand that it's not always easy figuring out time and energy and just overall different ways that you can practice self-care. But research tells us that it is completely vital to us being able to mother. And so I wanted to break it down a little bit more, figuring out different ways in those categories that maybe you're unfamiliar with with regard to self-care, giving some great tips on maybe how you can find time to do it in your busy schedule of being a mama and being a partner to your spouse or your significant other or trying to figure out how to fit it in after work or before work or whatever it looks like for you. That's what we're going to be doing today. So let's break it down a bit. Let's start off by talking about the time that it takes. Like where in the world am I going to fit in self-care, Crystal? I'm with you. Sometimes I find myself fitting in self-care at midnight. Sometimes it's in the middle of the nap days. Uh, well, yeah, nap days when he will take a nap. Sometimes it's in the middle of uh, my morning while he's eating his breakfast. Um, or even outside, I give him to dad and I go outside and take a break for myself the key is making sure that within that 24-hour period that you are finding time to do it. And so I know I talked a little bit about some different ways that you can look at it, you know. One of those from the previous episode was not setting yourself to a standard, so not saying, okay, Um, within this 24 hour period, I need a full hour of self-care. If we know that that's also unrealistic and that could potentially set you up for feeling disappointment, like look at your day and figure out, okay, realistically, what is something that I can manage and I can get in? Even if you need to break it up into pieces, like 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there, five minutes here, It's all still adding to you um, and sneaking in those bits and pieces of time so that you can get what you need and meet those different self-care needs that we all have. And so um, it's extremely important, again, for us to figure out how to fit it in. And so, yes, it may be like, well, Crystal, I I am needing and I am wanting it to be um, a full hour, but how the heck do I get it in? Break it down, mama. Break it down. If you can do 20 minutes, it's better to do that 20 minutes than to say, well, heck, I don't have a full hour, so I'm just going to wait till the next moment. Like, no. Allow yourself, give yourself permission to be present within that 20 minutes and to give yourself what it needs during that time. Because who knows, the day may become chaotic or even more chaotic, and you might not even have that 20 minutes later, let alone that hour that you're so desperately wanting. And so again, figuring out how you can break it into pieces and maybe later on you can pick up a little bit more time or whatever the case may be. Give yourself what it needs, even if it's a few moments or a few minutes at a time. It's extremely important. It can make a world of a difference as opposed to saying, I don't have enough time. And so you don't do anything at all. And so one of the interesting things there is to set the tone, right? And so if you are planning on saying, I'm going to journal in the evening tonight as a part of my self-care, then... Go ahead and figure out what are some things that typically pop up in the evening times that could potentially derail your plan or your intention of sitting down and journaling, right? And so if that is, um, whew, uh, your little is going to want to read that truck book for the hundredth time throughout the day, then you might want to tag dad and say, hey, so I'm going to read this truck book one or two times. And then after that, I may have to pass it on over to you. (laughs) We want you to be mindful of the fact that, you know, things can pop up, obviously, that you can't account for. But when there are things that you can't account for, like, okay, you know, you may have to cook or you may have to Um, finish the laundry or something like that, understand that your mood is obviously affected by some of the things that pop up. And so if we want you to be in a good space, to still have the desire, the energy to be able to meet your self-care needs then we want to make sure that you're supported one so again tagging your partner but then also two, again making sure that you are getting those things done that you already know potentially may become an issue or you may have to handle and so again tackling that dishwasher a little bit earlier than you typically would or um, deciding hey I'll just load it after or Um, And I, let me just say that there. Sometimes I'll tell you, I personally put things off. Like I'll just say laundry for an example. Sometimes I won't um, unload that laundry because I know that I need to give myself a little bit of love, a little bit of kindness, a little something that I need before I um, tackle that laundry. And so um, it's also interesting to just keep that in mind. Like if you know, that you are about to experience something that, um, maybe isn't your favorite activity. (laughs) Laundry is not mine, which is why my husband typically does it. Um, or an activity that, drained you even how about we put something before it and put something after it right and that's the whole point of self-care self-care is the idea that you do these things regularly they're the maintenance type activities and behaviors that you engage in that you set yourself up for success emotionally mentally physically socially intellectually all of those things Um, So it's extremely important that we do that and that we're mindful um, that these things can take place. And um, another way to set the tone is also being mindful that, you know, if you are going to, we use the journaling, if we are going to journal that evening, then also set the tone for that in your environment. So if that means lighting your favorite smelling candle, or that means getting into your comfiest pajamas, or... Um, I have another mom who likes to to journal, not in her bed, but um, in the living room, in her own comfort of her own space. It's like her own little nook area um, where no one is down there. Everyone's already upstairs. They're already in bed. Um, and she comes back down, and that's her quiet time to herself in her spot. And so I would encourage you, whatever that looks like for you, if it's propping up on your favorite body pillow, then you do that, and you create the environment. If it's dimming the lights, turning off the TV, um, if it's journaling outside on your screened-in back porch, or outside on your lawn, like whatever it is, like figure out what that thing is um, for you in order to set the tone. So there are many different ways that we can set the tone that we just talked about. The other thing that I'd like for you to keep in mind with self-care and figuring out how to uh, fit it into your day is the more that you make it um, a routine or ritual, the more easy it is to fit into your day, right? And so if we treat these things like brushing your teeth or... um, eating which are also forms of self-care but if we treat them and we look at them like things that have to get done during the day then we can also see them as being valuable to us and to who we are as people and so being mindful again that the more that we practice it the more that we put it into our daily life the more it becomes a ritual and we see the significance of it um so yeah, so that that's another great that's another great tip right there. Um, another one that I would say is being mindful that you fitting it into your day may come with um, its challenges. And so, um, again, I am someone who uses the word intention quite a bit as opposed to goal. And so, a goal sometimes you. Um, may run into guilt or disappointment or shame or any of those negative feelings um, when a goal is not met. But with an intention, you really give yourself the opportunity to say, hey, if it happens at this time, then That's amazing. That's wonderful. I met my intention. But if it doesn't happen until, you know, like I said before, at midnight, then you're still able to get it in. Um, Or if it happens at a random time where you um, weren't even expecting it, like allow yourself some grace to know that you are still giving yourself um, what it is that you need. So those are just a few things with regard to time that I really wanted you to be mindful of. Um, I hear a lot of moms also say, you know, how do I practice self-care if I don't have that support crystal? So if you don't have a significant other or a spouse that you live with or don't have family nearby, um, one of the the things that um, I've talked with moms who are in this situation is to be mindful that there are always pockets of time that you can utilize, and so it may sound like, okay, yeah, right, Crystal, like <laughs> you're right. But there it is how we look at our time, right? And so if we look at our time as being jam-packed down to the second, then of course we won't be able to see those areas. And so sometimes I have moms map out their day. And I would encourage you to do the same if you are someone who maybe doesn't have that support, where you can have your kids Um, spending time with them while you're taking some time for your own self-care needs or, um, you're, you're just really struggling to figure out how to fit it in into your day, um, to really map it out and look at, you know, what do you do literally at six o'clock in the morning when you wake up from that moment? Are you laying in bed for like 15 minutes and like just rolling around, in the day, procrastinating to get up. Could that 15 minutes be spent on something else, or is your body really telling you to just rest? And so, we're going to get into that a little bit more um, in this episode. But, are you, is that 15 minutes before you actually, from the minute your alarm goes off to where you actually? physically get out of bed and put your feet on the ground, is that some time where you could be doing 15 minutes of like a facial for yourself or 15 minutes of um, some stretches um, or some yoga or something. And so really looking at how you're managing those empty minutes um, and how you can use them to your benefit for self-care. And so again, mapping out your day. I mean, literally from like, okay, are you just... There, there's a term that I sometimes use. Uh, it's slipping my mind. Um, I'll just say mindlessly. Are you mindlessly <laughs> just scrolling on uh, scrolling on Instagram or on Facebook or watching YouTube videos or something like that? Which you know sometimes they could be a part of your self care as well. Um, But is it just wasted time to where it's not serving you in any way? And if that's the case, then how could you repurpose that time into something for your self-care? All right. So, yeah. So those are some tips there. Um, I wanted to break down self-care a little bit more. And so there are different categories for self-care. There are emotional self-care needs. There are physical, mental Spiritual, um, and what I like to call supportive, but others call relational. Um, So let's start there. So, with regard to supportive or relational, self-care needs, um, sometimes that's being able to engage with the people who are a part of your tribe. And so the people that are a part of my tribe are definitely my best friends. And, um, to some degree, even my mom and my sister, you know, just being able to, um, talk with them and to really let off a little bit of, um, the edge of my day or, um, even the highlights of my day, because that's the other thing that I'd like to to mention about self-care. A lot of times people think of self-care as being just um, things that you do when you're kind of feeling um, down or blue or low or burnt out. Like, no, you know, like these are things that you do even outside of those moments. Like, yeah, I may be feeling, oh my goodness, like my face just feels really dry because of the cold weather. We're in winter right now. And I need to go and do um, a face mask or something. And that be a part of my self-care. Okay, cool. But maybe I don't have to wait until my face dries out before I do that. Maybe I can do it regularly. And so again, that's reminding you there that... Self-care is also something that you do outside of those moments where, oh my goodness, I need to put something in place, okay? Um, So, yeah, so back to supportive or relational needs. So creating your tribe, so reaching out to them for support um, if you're going through something. But again, also like what I was just talking about. Also, when you just want a good kiki, and so for those who don't know what a kiki is, it's a good time. So cracking up and just joking around about anything and nothing um, can be quite helpful and supportive for, for meeting that type of need. And so sometimes um, you may ask yourself, well, Crystal, how do I even know um, like, whether I need this need met or whether I don't need this need this need met. Sorry. Um, and so sometimes you might find yourself, and frankly, I've been feeling this way a lot lately because COVID and with the restrictions and, you know, precautions that we all have been taking with social distancing and whatnot, um, is wanting to see family and wanting to see friends and really looking at, um, okay, I am missing them, right? And so if you're missing someone, if you're feeling like, man, like I just feel like I need to connect um, and I'm feeling like I need to connect with another person or engage with others, anything of that sort, then that may tell you, that may be an indicator that this need is not being met. And yes, engaging with your littles. Yes, engaging with your significant other, all fine and dandy, but it is okay. You're not selfish. You're not a bad mom. You're not a bad spouse for also wanting other interaction as well. Like, yes, we all want that other interaction I'm the main one who's like, go out there and get it like in any way that you can. If you need to do your FaceTime with your girls, do your FaceTime. If you can safely figure out ways that protect you um, emotionally, physically, and mentally with regard to your boundaries and COVID, then go meet up with your girlfriends for drinks, whatever. Um, Another supportive way that you can meet this need Um, Or another way that you can meet the supportive and relational needs of self care um, is utilizing available support. So sometimes I talk a lot with moms about, you know, making sure that the people who you're going to for support, if there are things that they support you in one area, but they don't support you in another area, that's fine, right? Like you can show up for me in this capacity and not for another. And that doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It just means that I need to find a different person who can also meet this need for me or in this area, because I'm not getting that from you. And it isn't even anything that you necessarily have to communicate if that's not something that you want to do. But you're mindful that your needs aren't being met in this area with this person. Another is using available resources like free online support groups um, or even connecting with moms on social media like those mom groups. There is nothing like being able to share in a space with like-minded women who are also dealing with the same things in their life. Um, Having that collective voice and interest in figuring out how to do life, how to do motherhood can be so warm and so comforting um, when you're surrounded by others who share the same interests that you have in figuring it out. And so I would encourage you to see this as being a part of self-care as well and engaging in activities um, such as support groups that can connect you with other women as well. This is a big one right here. So since we're talking about supportive or relational type self-care activities, one that I often Um, talk to clients about and see quite a bit in my practice for new parents, new moms, is making sure that when you communicate with your partner, that you are not alienating them or isolating yourself with the language that you're using, right? And so often I see in communicating with partners, and I had to get to a place there too, Um, And it's still something that, you know, I, I say we're on our journey of figuring it out because we definitely are. It's a day to day thing. But making sure that your language and your communication with your partner leave space for them to support you and for you to support them throughout your parenthood journey. And so an example of that may be making sure that your language isn't passive aggressive Right. Making sure that you're not using language that insinuates the opposite of the desired outcome that you actually want. And so that takes a little bit of effort and a little bit of mindfulness, obviously. And I'm chuckling now because I'm thinking about um, my own personal experiences of being a mama and a wife and, you know, trying to um, pull together our different communication styles and. <laughs> um, get through some of the hurdles within parenthood together and a huge one again is just being mindful that sometimes we can alienate our partners um, with the ways that we communicate Um, so sometimes i'll find myself saying and i've heard other moms too i run a support group and it's so amazing to hear again here we are just talking about a support group but to hear other mamas say oh my gosh me too Um, So it's very interesting that we just mentioned um, support groups a little bit ago. Um, But yeah, so myself and other mamas, I've heard say to their partners, like, or their support persons, even if they aren't a partner, to say things like, I'll do it because you... (sighs) You don't do it right anyway, right? And so while you may think it, right? Hella passive-aggressive to use that type of language. It also sends the message that don't worry about, you know, trying to change the diaper or trying to prepare a meal or trying to do X, Y, and Z for baby or your little because you're not going to do it to my standard. And it sends such poor messages, right? And what we might want to say or what we might want to think about um, is these are the ways that are most helpful for me. And that's a that's a different approach that you can take that it lands much differently than the first way that I said it. Um, This one is a little bit more inviting when you say, you know, these are some different ways that would be most helpful Um, when doing diaper changes or whatever example. Um, you'd like to use for your personal <laughs> situation. Um, another one that I that that I thought of that came to mind was um, being mindful that your communication doesn't isolate yourself. And so, um, sometimes when the stressors of motherhood and parenthood and the demands that come with it become overwhelming. We aren't able to see that, man, like we could really use our partner um, and they can really be of help to us in our time of need. And so sometimes we might find ourselves saying, Well, I got it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And not realizing, like, you have someone who's there and. Maybe they're not the most um, proactive person, <laughs> but they are still willing and ready to jump in and get their hands dirty whenever you ask them to, right? And so that could look like saying, "Hey, I am really feeling overwhelmed. I need to go and take a hot shower. I need you to watch little or I really need a break. I'm thinking about taking some days off from work and I might wanna just sleep for a couple of hours, not have to worry about dinner, and I just really need a weekend to just chill out. And I need your help in trying to make sure that this happens, right? And so being mindful that you're not just saying, okay, I am not realizing that I need these moments of rest or I need these moments of self-care and taking advantage of the coping skills that are within your toolbox and instead saying, I'm going to burn myself out by trying to do all of this, not asking for help, and instead retreat, right? Instead, isolate yourself. So, being mindful that you're communicating through not just your words, but like we mentioned just then, your behaviors as well, all right? So, another area of self-care that um, sometimes people don't think much about is spiritual, right? And so, there are so many different ways that um, we are fulfilled spiritually with regards to self-care. For some, that's prayer and attending church i think that traditionally is what most people think of when they hear of spiritual but it's also other things as well like connecting with nature i love being outside hiking going on walks riding bikes like that is my thing like i feel the most connected and aligned my mood changes um so many different things um It helps me to be a better mom when I'm able to connect um, with my environment on the outside. And so another one could be meditation um, and yoga. And so I know that I practice yoga, I teach yoga, and I know that other moms also find that useful. Um, But like I mentioned, meditation, guided meditation, is extremely, I, I enjoy it. Um, And I know that it is extremely helpful with releasing tension throughout your body. Um, I will say that with meditation, it is very intentional. And what I mean by that is it isn't for everyone. And it isn't something that you may be able to get into the first time you try it. But it is extremely useful, right? Um, Another is creating a sacred space. And so I I believe I mentioned earlier about a mama who... um, Tends to go to her nook area and journal. And so making sure that you have a place where you can go within your home that is for you. It could potentially even be a shared space that you utilize within your family, but maybe throughout a certain hour of your day or a certain time frame throughout the week, that space is solely dedicated to you restoring whatever you need to restore within yourself. And so creating that environment can look many different ways. It could be if you're a plant type of mama, it could be putting um, your beautiful plant babies in that area. It could be the lighting that you choose, so being next to a window and being able to look outside and feel the warmth of the sun on your skin, all of those things can create the sacred space for you to take in whatever you need to take in to meet your spiritual needs. Solitude. That is one that I feel like we sometimes don't get to practice enough of within motherhood, but meeting this type of self-care routine or activity of solitude can, I mean, I feel like it reaches me very deeply. Um, and the reason I think that is, is because we're half the time running on autopilot or the majority of the time running on autopilot. And we're going from one responsibility to the next and taking off one hat of a role, putting on another hat for a different role. And so it is very difficult. And I'm in no way saying at all, I'm the first one to say that it is hard to figure out you know, how this looks, but because we know that it's needed, we can be intentional about it, but the solitude aspect of um, self-care, creating an opportunity or a space where you are able to just sit alone in silence and to sit alone in a space that is completely free of worry, um, free of those roles that we have, free of those responsibilities that we have, Um, literally the state of just being alone. And it's so interesting in my um, guided journal that's available on Amazon, Practically Unpacking, I have a piece in there about being lonely in motherhood. And I feel like we don't even talk about that enough in motherhood or in society, period. Period. Um, We think because we have family or because we have littles that you're not alone. You have someone with you, but um, it can be quite lonely. And I think it's so important for us to figure out ways for us, one, not to be lonely and to know the difference between um, being lonely and taking up space, um, but being unfulfilled in whatever space that we are taking up within motherhood. And so a part of that can literally look like a few moments. It could be a few hours. Whatever it looks like for you that fits into your day, I would encourage you to meet that need um, of solitude and to give yourself that time of just being alone to yourself. Whether that means... When your littles are going to sleep or tagging your support person or while they're at school, if you're a working mama, then, you know, really taking that moment for a break, your lunch break or how, whatever break you get at work and really having that moment to yourself. If that means getting up early and... Getting to work early so that you can get in your office before your other co workers do and have a moment just to yourself to like breathe and just like hear what you are saying internally to yourself and what you're needing. I encourage you to do that. Solitude can be such an awakening um, for helping you to increase your mood and to just get clarity overall. Moving on to ways to meet mental self-care needs. And so I talk a lot in my private practice and um, just moms in general um, about challenging negative thoughts. And so it is extremely important, important excuse me, for mamas to know that our thoughts are are going to be negative at times. Sometimes they're going to be neutral and sometimes they're going to be positive. But I always like to say nothing is rainbows and butterflies, meaning those negative thoughts that you have, they are going to come, right? It's very unrealistic to say I am not going to have a negative thought throughout my motherhood journey. Like, no. No. You, that is something that you will experience, and there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. It doesn't make you a bad mama. It doesn't make you a bad person. It literally means you're human, and we are all human. Um, but one important thing to be mindful of is a part of self-care means that you are being um, intentional about um, challenging thoughts that could potentially harm how you identify As a mama, the ways in which you behave, so um, your behaviors personally Um, for who you are, um, for the roles that you have within your life, be it a working person, be it a partner, um, a mama, a daughter, whatever other roles you have. Um, so being mindful that those thoughts can potentially become beliefs. And once they become beliefs, man, they are extremely difficult to um, to 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 get through. Um, they're more ingrained, and we want to be careful to, you know, kind of chip away at it or nip away at it before it gets to the point to where um, it's so fixed and such. A rigid belief to where um, you don't see any other alternatives. And so sometimes negative thoughts can look like um, absolutes. And so what I mean by absolutes are things like um, always or never or ought to Those definitive languages or definitive statements that really leave you stuck in whatever narrative um, that it says. And so an example might be. My baby is never going to sleep throughout the night. (laughs) Right. And so if we have the idea that this is absolutely never going to happen like it, it, it is. I have proclaimed this. I this is this is what it is. It is not going to happen. Then man, that brings up so many one other negative thoughts, negative feelings like disappointment, like possibly even anger, maybe inadequacy of why you can't get your baby to sleep and I mean it just creates like a snowball effect. Whereas if we change that thought to something that's a little bit more neutral, a little bit more rational, that can meet you where you are while still validating how you feel, it can be extremely important. It can be extremely helpful, right? And so what I mean by that is instead of saying my baby is is never going to sleep throughout the night or the entire night, you might find yourself saying, okay, let me change that thought. Let me start by saying, I am frustrated. Another emotion might be, I am exhausted, (laughs) right? You may be suffering from fatigue, mama. You may be suffering from, um, oh man, anger even that you can't get this sweet little nugget to sleep (laughs) throughout the entire night. There may be so many emotions, but being able to identify them, Being able to validate those emotions and say to yourself, I am feeling this and it's okay that I'm feeling this. It is very natural and it is common for me to experience these emotions. There's no shame. There's no guilt in me having these things present, right? And then going a step further and saying, but how is this thought serving me, right? How is the thought of, this is never going to happen, helpful, Right. It puts you in a box and you're only limited to whatever is within that box that never. um, And it's very fixed, very rigid. And so if we come out of that box and we open it up and tear off the tape and fold back those flaps, you might hear yourself say a different thought. Like right now, my baby is developmentally doing what he or she needs to do. They are learning to sleep. They're figuring it out. What are some different ways that I can X, Y and Z? Right. And so maybe that means having your partner help you. Maybe that means going to see a pediatric sleep specialist. Maybe that means talking through your emotions and the things that you're experiencing with other mamas in a support group. Maybe that means talking to your pediatrician. Maybe that means looking at the way that your bedtime routine is set up. Um, maybe there's a lot of stimulus going on or stimuli is going on, like the TV is on, or there's a lot of activity right before bed and, um, baby isn't able to wind down or maybe just simply baby is figuring it out. Right. And maybe, um, hard to hear, but maybe you as a mama need to do a little bit of, um, shifting of your perspective in terms of learning developmentally um, the things that babies learn as they figure out sleep. And so that can be quite challenging. And I brought up sleep because that that is a really difficult one for new mamas. It was for me. Um, and so I'm right there with you, mama. Um, so yeah, challenging negative thoughts. is a really good And that's something that I encourage you to do um, daily. I do a gratitude journal where I look at, you know, the things that I'm grateful for, but I also look at the things that were a bit challenging over the day and some of the thoughts that I had that possibly were irrational or unrealistic that may be harming the way that I um, mother. And so for someone else that may be just simply journaling, for someone else that may be talking it through their significant other, but making sure that you are doing what you need to do on a regular basis to challenge those negative thoughts and not just saying, "Okay, I had a thought earlier and you never revisit it again. Like, no, because it will pop back up. Right. Because these situations, if we don't think through them in a rational way, they will continue to fester and continue to bring on thoughts that can be potentially harmful to your motherhood journey. Assess your values. And so um, that's a huge one. And so we know that with time changing um, and not the seasonal seasonal changes, but <laughs> the society changes or societal changes. And um, <laughs> with having a partner or family, um, even traditions that things can look really different from day to day, even with COVID going on, you know, a lot of families are making a difficult decision of whether or not to send their children to school or to daycare or to vaccinate or to not vaccinate. And all of these things are really difficult, um, And so it's so important to continue to go back to your values and to continue to assess and reassess and to figure out how to align yourself with the things that work best for you and for your family. And so that's extremely important. oftentimes I hear so many moms say, you know, I don't know why this isn't working. I'm like listening to what other people are saying. And, you know, it's incredibly important for you to realize that your values, they drive the things that you, one, believe in, but also the way in which you parent and the way that you mother. And so bringing it back and exploring what your values are and how their influence can be extremely important. And it's something that I would encourage you to do um, often. I'll give an example. You know, When I look at my values from early adulthood, Um, I guess I'm still in early adulthood, but um, from where I was even before I became a mama to now, I should say, um, being almost two years in, they have changed, right? From my parenting style to um, putting that up against how I was raised as a child and the things that... You know, I saw in media about how to mother. Um, All of those things are extremely important. So, yeah, assessing values. Another one that can potentially go under um, mental self-care is evaluating your expectations. Now, if you don't know by now, I love talking about perfectionism and managing expectations within motherhood. So I'm not going to delve too deeply into that because... um, I have a previous episode on it, and I'm going to do some subsequent episodes on it as well. But just being mindful that evaluating your expectations on a day-to-day is something that I typically would suggest for mamas to do in terms of practicing self-care. We know that we can have, (laughs) I don't use the word goal too often, but we can have a goal or intention in mind and it completely be derailed because, you know, of outside circumstances or external factors that's, that just come up and are in the way. And we can account for everything, but again, some things are out of our control. And so being mindful that you have the capacity, mama, to adapt, to um, modify your expectations, to meet your needs in that moment you have the capacity to do that. And so I'll give an example. I had a mama before share with me how much she was struggling with um, postpartum depression. And she kept saying like, this was so much easier with my previous child. Like we were sleeping by now. He was taking more bottles by now. You know, he wasn't having trouble at the breast, like all of these things that she, you know, kept saying, well, how come this is happening? Because it wasn't happening with my other child, my first child. And we really had to look at those expectations, right? And we really had to be mindful that Every situation may not be, you may not be able to use the same tools that you use in every situation. And that doesn't mean that you're a failure. It doesn't mean that, you know, the tools that you have that have worked before are no longer useful. It could just mean that, you know, you need to switch around those expectations and really um, look at the the situation that you're in and use what works for you then. (laughs) Right. So oftentimes we think that we have to know it all or we have to have it figured out. But no, sometimes it can be you doing what works for you in the moment and that be enough. That, that can be enough. That's something that I've constantly been working on within myself and within motherhood. And I'll tell you, it has made a world of a difference. I have a toddler Um, As you know, and sometimes we sit down to do our um, activities throughout the day Um, and I follow a Montessori type of learning experience. And so um, we sit down and we do our activities and, you know, my expectation is for him to be able to uh, do an activity exactly the way that I want him to do it. And I had to quickly learn that, no, like, that's what causes me um, physiological responses. Like, my chest starts to beat faster or it starts to tighten when I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're like prime example. I'll give a specific example from today. We were painting. And we were working on um, colors, which he knows his colors already. But we were just working on mixing colors together to see what colors we can get. And, oh my goodness, he, like, started painting his face. And I, like, totally was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like, this is not what we were supposed to be doing. Like, what is happening? And then I had to realize, like, I am putting this pressure on, one – a not even 2 year old but then I'm also putting this pressure on myself for things to be so perfect and things to just fall into place and that's not life like life doesn't work that way and i think that because we are mamas we want you know our children to learn like we have this we feel like we have this really great purpose and responsibility, in which we do. We really do. Um, but we feel like if it doesn't get met to a T and our eyes are not dotted, that we have failed in some way. And I had to learn, like, looking at him have so much fun, like, painting his face. I was like, oh, my gosh. But looking at him, I was like, okay, Crystal, like... Is it really that bad that he's not figuring out what blue and red makes? Like, not at the moment. Like, it is it is okay if we do not mix these colors and he's not able to identify it today. Like, totally fine. And so going with the flow and figuring out how to regulate your own emotions in order for you to evaluate your expectations and meet yourself where you're at. But also, your littles, so that you can have... Um, More pleasant experiences throughout your motherhood journey is important and it could help quite a bit again with regard to self care. Showing yourself grace, oh my goodness. So, we were just a little bit talking about this. So, that self compassion piece, so being the friend that you would to someone else be to yourself. So, again, if I were to hear another mama say, you know, I was working on X, Y, and Z with my little, and You know, the expectation was this, and we ended up, like, with paint all over everywhere, and we didn't even finish the activity. I would say, oh, you know... No worries. He'll get it. He's so young. Like y'all have so much time to figure out. Like I would give so much encouragement. You got it, mama. Like you've already taught him so much. He's going to continue learning. You're such a good mama. Like don't worry. Don't stress yourself. I would give so much encouragement, so much love. And we really have to figure out how to look in the mirror and do that exact same thing to ourselves. And not, you know, to the point to where it seems but like we actually believe that we are also deserving of that kindness and so yeah finding those moments and being present enough to say when you're in the midst of something that okay I can show myself a little bit of grace here it's not pity that I want self-pity that's not it that, that's not what I'm asking for here. I'm not asking that from anybody else. I'm not asking for that from myself. What I am asking for is that I acknowledge the fact that I'm human and that my expectations won't be met all the time. That I will fail sometimes, but that don't mean that I'm a failure, right? That doesn't mean that I'm inadequate. It just means that the situation didn't go as planned and that's okay. That's okay. Improving your self-talk. That's another way to meet your, um, mental self-care needs. And so what I mean by that is if you're finding yourself say like, oh my gosh, I'm so stupid, or I'm such a bad mom, or oh my gosh, like, why can't I get this right? Like, really? Oh gosh, like, why am I like this? Being mindful that the language that you use, again, those become beliefs and you begin to see yourself and internalize those things, and you become exactly the things that you're saying that are harmful to you, the thing that you actually do not want. You are not a bad mom because you made a mistake. You're not a bad mom because your expectations were not met or your intentions weren't met, right? You're a good mom already for even caring about doing all of those things. Give yourself as much praise and as much love, that self-compassion piece that we talked about so that you can begin to change your self-talk and improve the way that you speak to yourself, right? And so you find yourself going from, I'm such a bad mom for forgetting to buy those tickets to the aquarium and here we are on spring break with nothing to do because you forgot to do that to saying, I made a mistake, I didn't get those tickets, I was so busy this week and you know what? I can figure out some fun activity for us to do. Maybe we'll take a day trip to the beach, you know, like trying to figure out a way to say, nope, mm -mm. I'm not going to sit here and accept the fact that this inner critic is initially telling me that I'm a bad mom. No, what I am going to say is I have the capacity to switch this around, to give myself kindness and say, you know what? I did make a mistake. It feels yucky. Right. I want you to acknowledge the fact that, yes, it's it's not good to to make a mistake. You don't you don't feel good to make a mistake. Right. It, no one wants to do that, but it happens. And the more and more we can show up for ourselves by saying those things happen, it is OK that it happens. No one. I always tell mamas and I always say it to myself, you're not in a race with anyone else right? No one's beating down your door saying, girl, did you make a mistake today? No one is saying that to you. Not one person. Improve your self-talk. If you find yourself using that language, especially if it's being used quite often, being able to incorporate some type of activity, be it journaling, be it um, a check-in with yourself, be it, you know, looking at some different affirmations that you use, and then thinking about, okay, wow, I use these affirmations. What what words did I say to myself that don't reflect these affirmations that I speak over my parenthood and my motherhood journey? How how did the opposite of that language look this week? And really investigating, okay, if I'm thinking that you know I'm such a horrible mom for not getting those tickets to the aquarium, you know what happened? You know what I mean, like. If I was too busy, like, were there moments where I could have maybe asked for help and maybe that could free me up a bit to where um, my needs are being met so that I can remember to get those tickets? Or am I busy and I need to take time off from work and not, you know, run myself raggedy (laughs) um, and not take my PTO? Like, do I need to go back to my values, right? And assess like, okay, family is a priority. And so improving your self-talk can, can allow you to look at a lot of things actually um, to help you meet that need. So moving on, your physical needs. And so, so one of the things about quality sleep is that it can look different for many people. It's very important Um, Sometimes I suggest getting a sleep schedule and not putting yourself on a sleep schedule per se, but really looking at how you're currently sleeping. Like what activities are you engaging in right before bed? Is it overstimulating? Is it um, so overstimulating um, that it causes you to stay up like an hour or two after before you're able to fall asleep? Are you winding down in enough time? Are you consuming liquid still right up until bed and then having to get out of bed all night long, interrupting your sleep? Um, like What exactly is going on um, that is probably creating barriers for quality sleep? Or what are some things that you're doing that are really helping you to get that quality sleep? And what can you do more of? And so if it's taking that warm bath, if it's putting your littles down earlier so that you can get into bed, if it's getting your little one out of your bed, whatever that looks like for you, that's a huge piece of your physical needs. And it's so interesting that quality of sleep is, quality of sleep is under physical needs, but we know that sleep affects you emotionally, mentally, um, maybe even spiritually to some degree. And so socially, even too, I know if I don't get enough sleep, I'm like a grouch in the morning with my husband. So Um, even though it falls under physical, I mean, man, it could be in so many other areas as well. Exercise and yoga, oh my goodness. So making sure that you are um, getting active and being active in whatever capacity that looks for you. And so if that's 20 minutes, if it's an hour, if it's two hours, just making sure that you're moving your body and you're getting um, the type of physical um, engagement that your body needs in order to thrive is is important. Nutrition, that's also another one. So eating. A lot of times with mamas, it can be quite a bit of a struggle to remember to eat, to find time to get quality meals, um, and not just snacking on the go, running in between your roles and responsibilities. And so being mindful that that's also a part of self-care, right? If your body is... Um, being fed, and not just being fed, but being fed food that is healthy and nutritionist, then you feel that emotionally. You feel that mentally, right? You get that clarity that you need. Another that can fall under physical self-care is resting when your body says to rest, right? And so <laughs> I'm laughing because I had so many people this past week on my caseload who Um, We've been talking about resting, but, you know, I think that we as society and I don't know if it's just a Western thing or what, but we have really been conditioned that you sleep at night. Right. And if you're able to get that eight hours of sleep, the next time you rest or the next time you get sleep is the next time you go back down for that eight hours or less. Um, And that's just not the case, right? I feel like we need to really reprogram or shift our perspective in how we see sleep and how we see rest, right? So sleep is, you know, actively um, closing your eyes and (laughs) falling into a slumber. Um, But that rest, that rest could look like your alarm clock going off in the morning and You don't actually have to get up right then, but you laying in bed, tossing and turning, but feeling like, oh my gosh, I need to get up and I need to like start preparing breakfast. You need to make your list for today, your reminder list. You need to go and get yourself ready. You need to go, 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 go. Like, no, allow yourself if you have time to just lay there, to just catch a breather, allow your body to just, I I say fall, but like literally fall fall into a restful state, a relaxation. If it's the middle of the day and there is laundry and there's dinner to be made and there are emails to be sent out, um, to really ask yourself like in this moment, could I potentially benefit from just sitting down, turning my phone face down And just allowing my body to just drop, for my legs to fall, for my feet to dangle, my hands to go over the side of the chair, my head to fall back, for me to drop my shoulders. Could that be what you actually need? Or do you really have to get up and get to that laundry or really have to email your coworkers back? I don't think that we realize how much rest can do for us. I think, again, we focus so much on sleep and really getting what we need or supposed to have getting what we need or gotten what we need during that eight hours of sleep. But I think that there are so many moments throughout motherhood, <laughs> the day to day where you can use some rest, Mama. You can, you, can, you can sit down. You can go and lay down. And you can give yourself permission to do that without having to look back and say, okay, did I do X, Y, and Z first, right? Because when we get into that, we sort of condition or we reinforce the belief that you're not deserving to kick your feet up and to just relax until you have done something. So you have checked something off your list, right? If we look at that further, what that tells us, right, what the message is sent to us is, You can't sit down. You can't kick your feet up. You can't just relax until all of that stuff is done. But hell, by the time you get to doing it, you're burnt completely out, right? And so allowing yourself those moments of rest, when your body says to, not waiting until you're completely burnt out and overwhelmed and ready to snap, or even your body is so tense because you've been moving so much and doing everything giving yourself permission to do it then. That's a part of self-care. Sex. Sex is another one. And, um, you know, whether you have a partner or whether you masturbate, whatever it is that you think of when you hear sex being a part of self-care, again, masturbation as well, um, is being mindful that that can do a lot for you. We know that there are a lot of different hormones that go off when you are engaging in sexual activity and being stimulated in that way. Um, And that could affect your mood in a positive way as well. You also release a lot of stress. And so I would encourage you to be mindful that when you are a mama and you have a toddler, you have a little, it can become like, oh my goodness, this again. Like, I totally get it. (laughs) I completely understand um but it also is very helpful for you to relieve stress and connect with your partner as well. And so keeping that at the forefront of your self-care um is important and it can be um quite helpful in you being able to de-stress and for you to um give your body the love that it needs. Um in the stimulation that it needs, right? You also communicate different things to your partner when you are engaging in sexual activity with them. It doesn't have to be um, intercourse. It could just be intimacy as well, like kissing or physical touch even. Last but not least, emotional needs. So attending therapy, my goodness, So those who are listening who do attend therapy regularly, you're already meeting some self-care needs right there emotionally because you, I'm assuming, go on a regular basis um, and you're able to explore and process the many ways that um, motherhood and life's highs and lows are affecting you. So there we go. Um, Another one is journaling, like we've mentioned already, Um, the use of effective coping skills to manage stress. And so on a previous episode, when I talked about self-care and coping skills, I mentioned how um, sometimes we use coping skills, but we don't realize that they are maladaptive. And so what I mean by that is um, sometimes we use coping skills that we um, think are helpful, but they're actually not helpful. They could be defense mechanisms that we use to try and protect us. And they're not actually doing any um, any service to us. And so just being mindful that when you are engaging in um, regular use of coping skills, so um, whatever that looks like for you. <laughs> Because we, we could go on a list here, but I see that we are, um, we've talked about quite a bit already. Um, it can be extremely helpful for you meeting those emotional self-care needs. Validating your emotions. We talked a bit about that earlier. Um, so being mindful that a part of self-care is also saying, I am having this emotion. Um, it is present. There's no need in me pushing it away. Right. I want you to know that affirming and validating where you are and the emotions that you experience within motherhood um, is helpful for your journey. It's helpful for you to know that you're not alone. It's helpful for you to know that. Sorry. It's also that reminder that you're human. Um, and that's so important because oftentimes um, that, that motherhood title or that mother title is so heavy. It's so heavy, y'all. Um, I feel it every day. And then the last one that I wanted to mention is safe emotional boundaries. And so when you create safe emotional boundaries within motherhood and you make sure that they're in place and you're making sure that if they're violated, that you're addressing them, um, that, that is a part of self care. And it's so important for us to do that because it protects us as individuals, but it also protects you as a mama, right? So if you're telling someone, when you say those things to me, it's hurtful, right? When you say, oh, you know, you aren't doing things the way that I would have done things, right? If you hear that from, let's just say your mom, she says like, oh, why, why do you do that with so-and-so? That's not how I raised you. You know, you, you have to be mindful that. Your um, way of doing things for your child um, is the way that you choose and it works best for you. The way for you to mother your child is the way that you think is best, Um, not for someone else. And if you are constantly being emotionally violated in any way from family, from friends, from media that you consume that you create boundaries so that you don't have to engage in those things and don't have to receive them um but if you do choose to continue to engage and interact with people or with things within your life that you have these emotional boundaries in place and you do address them because it's well within your right um And it helps you going forward and being able to see the things that you will tolerate and the things that you will accept throughout motherhood as well. When you are able to, you know, create this, um, this I guess, toolbox of activities or techniques to meet your self-care needs, um, it reinforces that Mama, you don't have to neglect who you are, and you for darn sure don't have to wait until a crisis happens in order to respond. And it's so important for us to remember that when we wait to the last moment, or we wait until we're ready to explode, or till we're we can't go anymore, or to where we are needing to check out and you know, go and, you know, leave our children or leave our husband or we're wanting to even die, if I can be brutally honest with you, that there was a moment to where we probably could have looked back and said, "Mm, you know, how exactly was I really utilizing self-care? You know, were there activities, were there behaviors, were there things that I could have done on a regular basis in order to protect myself, in order to protect my motherhood journey, in order to really show up for myself in the way that I deserve, in the way that fosters hope and embraces everything that motherhood could be. Um, And so I want you to know that it's not impossible to do these things. In fact, it is everything but impossible (laughs) because of who you are. Even though it's a conscious act or a conscious decision, it's very intentional for you to do. And it is something to do, you know, often. So you are able to build um, resilience um, in a toolbox for maintenance purposes before you get to a crisis. You're capable of doing that, mama. You are. There is nothing stopping you from being able to really pour into yourself the way that you deserve to be poured into and to be taken care of. Um, Your body deserves it physically, your mind, emotionally and mentally, right? Spiritually, you deserve it. Relational or socially, you deserve it. I really hope that you were able to gain something from today's tips and techniques. Um, as it relates to self-care. Really excited to have brought you this part too. Um, and yeah, can't wait to engage with you and to receive feedback on the ways that you are practicing self-care. Um, I'd love to be able to pick up some tips from you, maybe some different activities that you're engaging in that maybe I haven't tried yet. You can follow me at Story. Dot therapist on Instagram and drop somewhere on a page or on a post that you um, are practicing self care and let me know the activities that you're doing so that we can um, swap out some different tips. We're all in this together, mama. Take care. As always, it's important for me to know that this podcast does not replace being connected or receiving therapeutic services from a licensed mental health clinician. If you are experiencing a life-threatening emergency, please call 911 or go to your local emergency room. You can also find additional resources on Episode 2, one being postpartum.net, where you can get connected with support groups, as well as therapists, psychiatrists, other providers within your community that may be of service to you on your motherhood journey. Again, that resource is postpartum.net, but you can find additional ones on episode two. Thank you.